This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. This morning's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Amen. Please be seated. So if you're just joining us, uh, we've been assuming a few things. Uh, One thing we've been assuming is that prayer is indispensable to the Christian life. That prayer is not simply icing on the cake of a Christian life. It's not simply icing on the cake to a disciple's life. It's actually at the center of walking with Jesus. Prayer is at the very center. And so how can we be so sure we even know how to pray? How can we be sure that when we pray, we're on the right track? Well, the good news is, is that our Lord, the one that we follow, has given us a pattern to pray. Now, is this the only thing that we can pray? No, we've talked about that. Uh, Is it okay to pray these words exactly how they are, adding nothing to them? Absolutely. Is it right and good to pray these words and these phrases as a pattern that leads us into more specific prayer? Yes. So as you can see, the Lord's pattern prayer is a help. It is a pattern And that's what we've been assuming. That's what we've been unpacking this entire summer. I don't know if you've noticed it, but with every petition, there's been a word, a theological word right next to it. And I didn't make that big of a deal of it. But today, in a few moments, this is how we're going to unpack the prayer. We're gonna use those words. We're gonna use the words, the theological words that most help us in describing the movement of the petition or the way in which we pray it. And the reason that's important is because that word, I think, can help unlock in our minds and hearts ways that we might pray each petition on top of anything I could say. As we understand these words, it will unlock in our hearts and minds the things that God cares about. And the Lord's pattern prayer helps us in our orientation, not only to prayer, but to the Christian life in general. Now, I'm assuming one more thing today, and really I've been assuming it all along, and that's this, that the whole world, including us, is starving for some type of spiritual connection. The whole world is starving for some type of deeper meaning, some type of relationship or some type of help that can connect and cohere everything that they experience and have experienced. Because every one of us wants to understand who we are. Every one of us wants to understand why we're here. And every one of us wants to understand what we're called to do. And for many people, increasingly, the turn back to spirituality is now. The term, the turn back to believing in something, to believing in anything beyond material existence is now. 
And I was so fascinated uh, to see this that uh, Oprah on her own network, literally own network, O-W-N, her own network uh, is starting a whole series. It's a whole a show, a TV show called Life. And someone told me, you know what that's about? And I said, I don't care what it's about. And they said, actually, wait till I tell you. And what it's about is about this need for spirituality, this connection to some type of higher being. And so I got online and I watched the trailer to this upcoming TV series. And basically, she follows and interviews um, followers of various faiths all over the world. And the whole, the whole, the whole show is going to be a celebration of our longing, that is to say human beings longing to connect with something more and how it's fundamental. Now, I'm not going to watch it. Uh, but I think what it would show me is that I am right and all of you who agree with me are right. And that is, there is a deep part of us that needs to be connected to our creator. We long to be connected, even Christians And if I were to say to you, wouldn't you like to be able to come face to face with your father, the creator of all things, your maker, and come face to face with him in such a way that when you speak to him, you know that he hears you and that he speaks to you. If I told you that I knew a way for that to happen, even for you, a Christian who trusts in Jesus, I think you would say, I want more of that. And my answer would be, and is right now, Jesus tells you how to connect face-to-face with your father every day in such a way where you know he hears you and you know he speaks to you. And his answer would be, it's all in the Lord's prayer. And we would say, really? And he would say, yeah. It's all in the Lord's Prayer. So that is why we've spent six Sundays talking about each petition. And that's why now we're going to recap the petition, all the petitions. We're going to recap the prayer, hopefully in such a way where it's quick enough where we can get an idea of how we might together in our own prayers and community groups and our family prayers and our own personal time with the Lord use this prayer. So the how-to sermon, here we go. First word, sonship. This is the first petition. Our Father in heaven. Sonship is the word. Sonship is the category. You know, my spiritual giants, uh, all of them, uh, Luther, Calvin, uh, St. Augustine, Bonhoeffer, all of them in their teaching on the Lord's, are in their teaching on prayer, always use the Lord's prayer. Luther actually said, if a, if, a, if a shoemaker's job, if their existence is to make shoes, the Christian's job is to pray. Uh, Bonhoeffer said that prayer is like music. It can express the whole range of human feelings. And so he says, our Lord's pattern prayer covers the whole range of concerns with which life confronts the Christian disciple. So where would you start? Well, Jesus tells us to start with our sonship. To start here is a reorientation of ourselves to the beautiful truth that we are beloved children of God. The first prayer is to center ourselves on the fact that the only reason God hears us is because he's our father. 
And if you remember, we talked about the fact that there were a couple ways Jesus mentioned of not coming to the Father. One was thinking that if you heaped up a bunch of words and holy sounding phrases, really religious language, that somehow God would be more inclined to listen to you. Jesus says, no, that's how the Gentiles pray. That is to say, those who don't know God. And then he says, for the religious people, you just pray so that you can somehow get glory and honor from other people who hear you pray and think well of you. But what Jesus is saying is that the first line of the Lord's prayer gives us a chance to tell God and orient our hearts to the fact that he is our father who already approves of us. This is the first line of sonship. So how might we pray as we are praying? If we start and say, our father in heaven, we may say, Father, we praise you that you are in heaven and you are a king on a throne. And if you're a king on a throne, you're in control of all things, including my life. We may pray, I behold your love that you have given us in Jesus that I can even call you father. You see this this continual reorientation around the fact that I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a child of God. God hears me. And that may lead us to say something like, Father, we confess that we are tempted to pray to each other to gain each other's approval. And we confess that we'll be tempted to pray as if we have to gain your approval. When I pray, I always start off saying, Father. I say always, it's probably almost always. Do I every single time? I don't know. But most times I start off by saying, Father. And I noticed doing the Lord's pattern prayer, uh, there are times Uh, when I say it, but I don't even think it. So I say, Father. And then I feel all of a sudden uh, this need to, uh, in my heart, get to the perfect place so that God will hear me. Or uh, to be self-conscious if I'm uh, talking or praying with other people in the room. It's amazing. And it's like I skip over Father. But to say Father is to pause and to center ourselves on the fact that God is our father. That's where the Lord's prayer starts. And that's where we should pray. And that's where we should start in our prayer. So if sonship is the first word, next word, worship. This is the second petition. How will it be your name? This is a call to worship because children of the king worship him. So we talked about in the sermon, I, I could recommend going back to these sermons mainly because uh, how will it be your name was one of the hardest sermons for me to preach in this series. I'm not sure why, it just was hard. I I knew it was gonna be hard and it was hard all week, but God showed up and blessed me and I hope blessed you in it. But at the, I guess the basis, the, the foundation of asking God to hallow his name, it's asking God to set himself apart in our hearts. And the image that I invoked was imagine the sun in the solar system. So in our solar system, the sun is at the center. And because of its massive weight, because of its massive glory compared to everything else, it's at the center and everything else revolves around it. Everything else goes to where it's supposed to be. So to pray that God would make himself holy in our own hearts is in essence, praying that God would be the sun in the center of our universe. And it doesn't diminish everything else in our life. It doesn't diminish our love for our children. It doesn't diminish our love for our vocation and our calling, for example. Some of us, when Jesus comes to the center of your life, you will care more about your job. You will repent 
and you will say, I have treated this as though it's something in my life that I do only in order to make a living, but not something the Lord has called me to, to love other people and to use my gifts. Some of you will repent because you don't love your job enough. You don't love your children enough. You don't love your spouse enough. Because when Jesus goes to the center of your universe, everything goes to where it ought to be. Now, some of you, when Jesus goes to the center of your universe, will repent for loving things too much besides the Lord, for making things an idol, for sacrificing things to yourself and to your own desires. But we said, as long as God is continually making himself holy in our lives at the center of who we are, it doesn't diminish other things inappropriately. It simply puts them where they ought to be in our life. And so to pray this is to pray that God would make himself famous. And yesterday in our community Bible reading, Psalm 82 was our Psalm. Now I was using the Lord's pattern prayer to pray through Psalm 82. And Psalm 82 is essentially at the beginning, you have God who is the judge and the king of all kings, bringing all of the gods, lowercase g, the rulers on earth together and essentially reading them the right act for the fact that they're using their position, they're using their power, not for the flourishing of others, but for their own gain. And he basically says, you may think you're powerful now, but you will die. You will be judged. And so what happened there? I realized that because Jesus is not always the center of my heart, I oftentimes use my power. I oftentimes use my influence, not for the flourishing of others, but for the flourishing of myself. And you see, it was as I was letting Psalm 82 inform me asking Jesus to become the more of the sun in my solar system, of my heart. That's what he led me to pray. And that's how using the Lord's pattern prayer works. You might also pray in worship. Reveal yourself to me in a new and fresh way that I might worship you more and more. You also may ask that God would save more people and increase the number of worshipers in our city. Because because as the number of worshipers grows, the worship of God will grow. Makes sense, right? You also may pray that God will be the center of your life and that everything else around you, like I said, would go to where it's supposed to be. The next movement is lordship. So sonship, worship, lordship. And this is the petition of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is a prayer for God to consummate, that is fulfill his kingdom on the earth. Now you'll notice as it is in heaven, Heaven is the standard. And the reason heaven is the standard is because everything in heaven goes exactly as God desires it to go. So this prayer is that God's revealed will would continue to expand on the earth so that earth would look more and more like heaven, more and more like God's dwelling place, that God's reign would increase. And in the sermon, we talked about the fact that in Jesus, he already brings God's reign. He brings the inauguration of the kingdom. So praying this is praying that God's reign would increase because it is already here. So since the kingdom is already here, we're praying for God to increase. And this might be the types of things we would pray. We would say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. That might be a good place to start. Come, because as soon as you come, all things will be made right. Heaven and earth 
will be reunited, never to be separated again, ever, because the dwelling place of God is with man. Come, Lord Jesus. We might pray, give me more honesty and mercy and compassion and love for justice. Why? Why would you pray for those things specifically? It's because those things are on the very heart of God. And so as God's will and his kingdom reign comes more and more in your life, you will become more honest, more merciful, more compassionate, more just. We also may pray for more passionate worship, that our hearts would be engaged because we would increasingly love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. We may also pray, Lord, break down the idols in my heart so that your will can be done in my life. More broadly, we'll pray for decreased poverty, for more love and selflessness, for more peace and joy and contentment, less tears, less sickness, less pain, less isolation, less depression, less anxiety, less victimization, less murder, less systemic injustice, on and on and on, that earth would look more and more like heaven. And we can pray that however God would lead us. So we have sonship, Worship, lordship, and then provision. Give us this day our daily bread. The focus here is primarily on physical needs. And it's more than simply bread, right? Because many of us in this room, not all, but many, have enough money in our bank account to buy bread for a really long time. So how do you pray a prayer for God to provide your daily bread when you already have the means for it? Do you have to fake it? What's happening? Well, we talked about in the sermon that this is more than simply praying for bread. It's also praying for a posture in our hearts of dependency, of reliance and gratitude to God. So even if we do have enough money for bread for this week, should we still pray for God to provide it every day? Absolutely, because it's more than simply bread, the food that you would eat. It's also the heartbeat now and now and now and now and now and for however long it beats. You're praying for God to sustain you. It's dependence upon God for the very next thought that comes in your mind, for your body to breathe again. It's dependence upon God. And so part of this prayer is to pray for physical dependence. To pray so that God would bring more bread and more systemic peace and healing to our community so that more people would have bread. It's to pray for our economy so that more people would have bread and shelter and protection. We talked all about this. I just wanted to remind you of it. So how might else we pray, give us this day our daily bread? We could say, Lord, forgive us for the presumption and gluttony of consuming so much without gratitude. Lord, provide us with physical resources we need, but why? To accomplish the chores that you've given us, not to build our own kingdom, but to accomplish the chores that you've given us. Lord, please help us to be wise stewards of the resources you've given us. Please forgive and relax our anxiety about the future and soften our hearts by allowing us to see your faithfulness in the past and in the present so that we trust you for the future. All of this could be things that we pray under provision. So sonship, worship, lordship, provision. Next, reconciliation. 
forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We talked a lot about this debt language. The Bible talks about forgiveness and sin in lots of ways, falling short, uncleanness, all types of things. But Jesus talks about debt here. So when using debt language, Jesus is saying, among other things, to seek forgiveness is to name the debt that you owe God and ask him to absorb that debt to forgive you. You can never pay the debt back. He talked about, we talked about the parable of the unforgiving servant who owed this massive amount of debt and begged, said, I'll pay it back, I'll pay it back. And we know he couldn't pay it back. It was an exorbitant amount of money. But he was forgiven. Now, it's interesting because as I was preparing, I remembered one thing that I said that uh, I regretted saying, but now I'm going to say it again. And I think I regretted saying it because I made forgiveness, which is very personal. Uh, I compared it to an inanimate object. But I'm going to do it again because it helps me, and I hope it helps you. And if not, I pray that God deletes it from your brain right now, and you're not confused by it. But this is what I said. Do you realize, even if we live perfect lives, even if we had never, ever sinned, God still doesn't owe us anything? Do you realize that? It's like the toaster. This is it. It's like the toaster. If I put a piece of bread in it and press the button, that thing better get toasted. And if it doesn't, that toaster is in my debt because it didn't do its job and I get rid of it. But if it pops up toasted bread, which is now toast, I suppose, if it pops it up, I say, I don't say thank you. I grab it. And I eat it because that was its job. You see, when we do all that God commands us to, we are obedient, which is exactly what we were made to do. But God is so kind and gracious that even though we're not obedient, he doesn't throw us away. He doesn't do what I would do with that toaster and throw it to the curb. He saves us. When we come to him asking forgiveness in Jesus Christ, he absorbs that forgiveness on the cross and we are forgiven. But that's not where it stops. The petition then says, as we forgive our debtors, okay? So when we forgive others, we experience something that is so scandalous, it might be one of the most scandalous things about Christian discipleship, and that is forgiving even our enemies. Because that is exactly what God did in Jesus Christ. He forgave his enemies, And so how might we pray this? How might we expound upon this? We might pray in personal repentance for particular sins and patterns, for idols of the heart. We may pray corporately in repentance for a lack of concern for the poor or a lack of sacrifice for the kingdom or a lack of love for our neighbor or a lack of evangelism and sharing the good news and not putting the light that we have in us on a hill. We may ask God for his grace to forgive others who sin against us. And this is crazy. And even for God to shine light in our hearts on those relationships where we are not at peace so that we actually will seek people out who have sinned against us to forgive them. These are all things that we might ask for in this movement of reconciliation. And last, protection. This is spiritual protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, I'm going to pause so everyone, there's awkward silence, so everyone comes back to me.
And this is why. I believe this right here is one of the quickest things that you and I will skip over. Because we don't always believe that we are in a battle. We don't believe that our battle is primarily not against flesh and blood, but it's against invisible realities that hate you. Evil hates you. Evil knows you. It has lots of practice and it wants to destroy you. It has a file on you and a file on me. It knows your weaknesses. It knows where you most likely will stumble and it will take your face and rub your face in it and it will keep you from seeing Jesus unless we are aware of it, recognize it, and turn to Jesus in the midst of it. To pray for protection is to not only acknowledge evil, but to realize you are no match for it at all. You have no hope apart from Jesus Christ. And in America, we think we have lots of hope apart from Jesus Christ. And we don't even believe in this stuff. This is crazy. So I want us not to skip over this. And the only thing I want to say here that we mentioned is that God does not tempt us, but he does test us. And we quickly drew the line of distinction that one way you can look at it is testing. The motivation is for our growth and for our good, whereas temptation is for our stumbling and for our harm. And evil will lead us into temptation without the help of our Lord. And we likened it to this. Temptation will happen. You notice Jesus doesn't say, don't let me be tempted. That's gonna happen, promise you. It says, lead us not into temptation. That's something different. And church fathers for a long time have been talking about the fact that we can't control a bird from flying over our head. That's really not in our control. So imagine the bird flying over our head is temptation. But what we can control is not allowing the bird to build a nest on our head. And I said, you know what happens when you let a bird build a nest on your head? The same thing that happens to your windshield when it flies over, if you know what I'm talking about. The same thing that happened to me on my way to class my first semester of college as I was walking, splat. It's nasty. That's what happens when we're led into temptation. So how might we pray this? We might say, grant me wisdom to acknowledge my sin patterns and the strength to set up my life in a way to avoid them. Protect me from my own flesh, the world and the devil that are all out for my destruction. Give me wisdom to understand how I am unwittingly following the patterns of this world and help me in your strength kill those things. We may pray that. So sonship, worship, lordship, provision, reconciliation, and protection. And the last thing that we've said every week is amen. What do we mean when we say amen? Well, we say, I believe it. That's what it means. It means I believe it. It means yes, let it be. But what does it specifically mean to say amen to the Lord's prayer? Now I'm gonna ask a few questions and I just want you to reflect. And after I ask the questions, uh, I will say one thing and close this in prayer. That's where we're going. That's how we're gonna finish this, okay? But I want you to engage in these questions and I want you to allow yourself to answer them. And I want you to really feel Allow yourself to feel 
the fears that it may bring up or the questions that it may bring up, okay? So to say amen at the end of the Lord's pattern prayer is to say, let it be. It is to say, I agree with these things, but it's also to ask questions like this. Do I trust Jesus as my only hope and savior and therefore see God as my father? And do I live that way? Is the hallowing of God's name in and through me at whatever cost my controlling purpose in life? Because that's what you just prayed. Do I want to see God triumph in his kingdom? And do I happily long for God's will of command to rule my life? Do I happily? Because that's what we just prayed. Is there any matter in which my life does not currently line up with God's revealed will? Am I hiding it from people? Am I living in the dark? If so, what will I do about it? Do I know and live in such a way that shows unless God acts to provide for today's needs and to pardon today's sins and to protect me from temptation, I am lost and hopeless? Or do we believe we have hope apart from Jesus? Do I make it an issue of conscience never to bear a grudge or cherish bitterness against anyone like it was chewing gum and I just keep chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it and harboring it, but I'm never gonna tell them. Do I want to show forgiving mercy always, even to my enemy? Do I long to want that? Do I make it a habit daily to watch and pray against temptation that I might not sin? These are the types of things that we are implicitly saying when we pray the Lord's Prayer. And I fail this list. The emotions I feel are fear. The emotions I feel are lack. The emotions I feel, I feel shame because I realize how far short I fall of what I'm praying and what I'm asking God to do. But isn't isn't that the point? of the gospel? Isn't that the point of why we would even pray these things? So that daily we would become more increasingly aware of our need for him. We would become more increasingly aware of the fact that he hears us and he wants to hear us and he knows everything about us and he still loves us. That we get our power in Jesus, not in how well we're performing. Do you know that? Praying that and then falling short of that is just one other way that we come back to the gospel. And today, the the brilliant, beautiful thing is we get to come to the gospel here. And so in a moment, we will come to the table. And I want you to know that this table is for forgiven sinners. When you come up, you are choosing actively to believe the gospel by standing up. When you walk up here and reach out, you're admitting how far short you fall And when you take that wine, you are admitting your need for the blood of Jesus to forgive you in every part of your life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray that you would hallow your name in our life, that you would be the center of this church, that everything else, fears, worries, discouragement would all go to their proper place. We pray your kingdom come and your will be done in our own lives, in our families, and in this church, in this city, and in this world. 
We ask that you would provide for our needs and health, provide for the mission that you've given us that we can enact it. Forgive us our sins this morning. I also ask that we would seek to forgive those who have sinned against us, just like you did. Protect us, lead us not into temptation today or the next day, on and on, but grow our dependence upon you, knowing that you are our protection. You are our shield. You are our deliverer. Deliver us from evil. In 